Ah, 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 ah. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you? Ah, I'm fine. <laughs> are you enjoying got, the new the new Skype? Maybe I got I got distracted. Uh, I am on an old Skype, but all of my friends tell me the new Skype is not good. I am seven point five nine per n thirty seven. Mine forced me to update. I didn't want it to. I didn't do anything. I just. It just went up to version 8.28.0.41, and, uh, and there was nothing that I could do about that. And it now changed, it's all this. and it, it looks horrible. Uh, yeah, all the slacks I'm on are kind of blown up about this. Now, did they backtrack publicly about how they're going to make it better again? Yeah, Have you said, been following this? Yeah, they said something that they were going to do something to make it better. Yeah, it's, it's it's how it looks, but it's also how it works. Uh, um, I was just on a podcast a minute ago that I want to tell you about. Um, but the guy was telling me that the, um, the all the audio settings changed or something. Yes, yeah, the audio settings and the way that you configure the audio is different. And you know, like I get the i, I get I get the notion that if you build a product that you want to add enhancements and you want to make things better, but there's nothing about this that seems better. And I don't know. You know, like I get, I get the idea that I'm not the target market for Snapchat or something like that. But I use Skype all the time, and I I was under the impression that I understood it. But to me, it just looks like now they've made it into just everything is sort of big and <clears throat> and clumpy, and everything is everything in the settings is bold. All everything is bold, and mm-hmm. as as they say in The Incredibles, when everything is bold, no nothing is. Yeah, and so <laughs> um. Everything is bold. Everything is, and there's no, like anything that they've done hasn't, it's not an improvement, but like under the audio settings, that's all changed. Um, and it's crappy. It's just crappy. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, I don't, as I say, I'm still lucky enough to have the old version. I don't know why I've been spared so far, but, um, you know, something that we, something that we've been seeing for, I don't know, at least 10 years now is it feels like when you're not sure what else to do to radically improve your app for the people who use it or to attract new people, you just sprinkle on a little bit of social sauce, you know? And it feels like the thing with Skype, whoever is like making design decisions about Skype for years has kind of wanted it to be a social network. That sounds strange. No, you're like, right. That's exactly what they want. But I, I mean, when they look at... How can I put this? See, I don't, I don't have any insight into this, but I think that when they look at other apps and how they've grown, they don't, they're, they're not looking to stuff like, oh, you know, how do we, how do we make, maybe they are, maybe they are looking to things like, how do we make this more dependable? How do we make this easier to use? I don't know. But it really feels like as with so many things, um, at a certain point, you see this on the app store, you see this in the world, it just becomes more and more about providing affordances to share or be shared, you know? And there's so many times where I see an update on the App Store and they're like, well, bug fixes, plus now we make it even easier to share the, your this thing with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you've built it, unless you've built it to be a social tool with all that that requires from the bottom up, yeah, that's a risky gambit for the people who are already using it. And even with this version, I mean... The version I'm using, I see in the open window, I see all everybody's like updates. Like when you change your 
status message or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't want to see that, you have to individually go through. This is so strange to me. You have to individually go through and say, like, I don't want to see status updates from this person. So I just wait. You know, it's like picking off spam phone calls in, you know, on your phone. It's just real onesie twosie to go in and control all these different things. Where I, I, I want this to be an internet telephone that's really reliable, where nobody reaches me unless I want to be reached. And I dependably reach the person that I want to reach. And that, that feels like a very old idea of what they want this app to do. Can you think of an app that began life as one thing and then was successfully brought into the world of being a social media app? You know, like something that started out as a chat client and then was successfully turned into like, this is where I go to do social network stuff. This would be a good like Ben Thompson question. I mean, I can... I, think I can't anic- think of one. Well, I can, there's, there's the one extremely important one, which is Flickr. Um, Flickr, before there was Flickr, uh, what was it called? Like Game Everlasting or something like that? Like Stuart and Katarina had made this game. Mm-hmm. I remember I think that. It was I, re- I never did anything with it, but I, re- I remember that. No, but this is one of those stories along the lines of, well, audio didn't work out, so we made Twitter. Mm-hmm. But um, but no, I mean, a Flickr, I mean, what do you say? I mean, it got mishandled over the years, but boy, was that best of breed in Web 2.0. I mean, apps like that and Vimeo were just like head and shoulders above other kinds of apps at doing what they do. But in that case, my sense is that the ability to do Flickr-like things inside of that app had been pretty robust from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I don't have personal information of this, but they had been robust and built in from the beginning such that a pivot, this seemingly odd pivot from going to a game to being a photo sharing service made a lot of sense. But they sweated so many of the details of Flickr I mean, I think Flickr and LiveJournal still have to be up there in terms of making this for an app for people who wanted to be picky about who saw their stuff. Mm-hmm. LiveJournal, as I've said for years, was way ahead of everybody where you could go and create custom groups of just one or two people. You know, um, Flickr did that. They got friends. They, they, they were one of the first ones I remember saying that there's public, there's friends, and there's family. Um, a distinction that you still don't always see, which is just an all-in-one way of saying like, well, you know what? You don't have to create custom groups. It's as simple as this. Everybody can see public stuff. You can turn off comments and stuff, but anybody can see public stuff. Slightly in you know, closer in the concentric circles, you get your friends group, which are people who you would trust to see stuff. And there's other kinds of stuff, like it's got naked babies, and you just want your family to see it. Right. But my sense is that they would not have Flickr would not be as good as it was if a it hadn't started out with that baked in from the beginning and then b they'd lavish tremendous resources on making that easy to use and beautiful but by design Flickr was an app for sharing photos you know on the other hand you get another kind of thing where you would say well i mean i i feel like this this has just happened so much i think about even in the early days of this show um maybe even before this show my wife and i had an app that we loved for sharing your location. I forget what it was called, not Boomerang, but it was some kind of like kites, bright kite, bright kite, maybe bright, bright kite, kite does ring a bell, but I couldn't tell you what it was. And bright kite was an app that scratched an itch that was so amazing, which is you could hit a button and it would just send your location to the people in your group, which in my case was my wife. You could also attach a photo. You could attach text. And it was just really, I mean, short of what we have now with find my friends. It was trivially easy to share that 
with a group of people you had selected. Well, you can guess what happened, which is that they're competing with people like Foursquare and all these people who, you know, just want everybody to love them and see what they're doing and know where they're having their mojito all the time. Mm -hmm. And they made it increasingly difficult to keep things private. And they made it increasingly difficult to have this be something that wasn't pervasively public to where we had to stop using it because it was a privacy concern. And so, I mean, even if you design it from the bottom up to be social, it doesn't mean you design it for the purpose that the person is using it because there's just not that much money. There's not that much money in being a hard drive and there's not that much money in being a, a private receptacle <laughs> for someone's memories. Yeah. But in the case of Skype, it's just to me, I mean, I'm an old guy and it's just so backward. Like when people like contact me on Skype and I don't know who they are, the main way I these days, the main way I see somebody, I hear from somebody, is because their account got hacked and they're sending out like links. You see that sometimes, but I don't know. It's frustrating. They must have their reasons. Why do you think they're doing it? I mean, it's it's this the whole thing of um, of of developers wanting to develop stuff, and somebody gets an idea that well, we need to redo the whole interface. We have to like it. It, it looks old. It looks we haven't changed the interface in X number of months or years. We we've got to redo it. We've got to come out with a whole new thing because like right. the trends are different than they used to be, and now everyone makes everything big and bold. And like look at iOS. There's these big bold headers at the top of every screen. We need to do that too. We have to be cool. It's, right. you know, and, and I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that goes and buys a new car every two years or leases a new car every two years because the one I have is good enough, you know, but I well, definitely like, it's not like BB edit or like part of what makes you love BB edit is it's always been BB edit. Right. It and just still looks the same. Like it's DNA is still the same. And it works. It works the same. Like yeah. if you want to do this kind of stuff, you can put shell scripts in there. If you just want to edit text, you can do that. I mean. You know, it's, I, I think sometimes I, I feel like I understand what they're doing. I'll give you a good, really good example from this morning. Uh, I own a Ring doorbell, which is a doorbell that's, uh, in my case, a battery-operated doorbell that has a camera built into it. And it gives you, uh, sends you a push notification or it rings a bell in your house when somebody rings it. It's pretty straightforward. I don't heavily use the camera functionality of it because, mm-hmm. frankly, it's not really fast enough. But like so many of these apps, maybe in a canny way, they've added social stuff to your doorbell. Okay, so uh, like you, you say to somebody, okay, you buy a doorbell. Now, do you want a social media component for your doorbell? And I would just say real, real big, bold-faced, hard pass on that for me. Yeah. But – who buys a ring doorbell? Well, I can tell you from watching the very strange people on Nextdoor that uh, Nest Cam and especially Ring are very popular amongst paranoics. And oftentimes you will see on Nextdoor, you will see people posting, you know, oh, there's, there's like a, there's a non-white person in the neighborhood and I'm pretty sure they're going to steal my packages or, or my electricity or something or if they're sending beams through the walls or whatever. And they post that to social media or to, you know, next door social media. Um, oh, so, so now they, now there's a little mini pivot inside of the ring thing. Now ring has a tab that I can't get rid of called neighborhood. <laughs> and it has, I might, I might have a way to turn this off. I don't know how you can create a geofence for what you want to see. But basically anytime some dingling says somebody's casing my house to steal my Amazon packages, that pops up in a tab called neighborhood. Well, 
I don't want to, I don't even want to see that. I don't even want to know that that exists, yeah. let alone have the ability to post to it. But that's that they're sprinkling on the social sauce. They, they know that these are a bunch of paranoid dinglings that want to share each other's photos of black people and point and call the police. And so I guess that's, they see that as growth. You know, whereas for me, how about you fundamentally speed up how quickly you can turn on the camera on a ring doorbell where I could at least one or two times in my entire life talk to somebody while they're still at the doorbell? So, no, I don't want a social media network for my doorbell. Yeah. I, I think it's, I just feel like things have gotten out of hand. I, there's so much that that's there that I don't want or need. I, you know, but I guess these companies are feeling this pressure because if you look at what everyone is talking about in tech, it's either the new Apple thing or Facebook and Twitter. Like that's it. And so there's companies who say, wait a minute, we're Microsoft. We own Skype. We've got five bazillion users. This is a social network waiting to happen. The only reason they're not using Skype as a social network is because we haven't given them the features that they want. And if we give them the features that they want, boom, we'll have the biggest social network everywhere, anywhere, ever. Yeah, I can can just randomly speculate about this. But you think about something like a home security camera – or in this case, this you know video doorbell or whatever it right. is. So you can you can look at that and see that's a lot of hard work by a bunch of engineers to come up with something that's going to serve a certain purpose for a certain audience, which is great. But and this is just my reckon. But my reckon is I can imagine a bunch of guys in neckties sitting around a table talking about product development, right? And basically saying, "Hey, let's go sprinkle on the social sauce." And it's not it's not exceedingly costly. And why not? You know, piss on a spark plug. But, you know, the, the thing is, a lot of that stuff is not without a cost, not simply in terms of like, wow, I really would love for you instead to improve how quickly the goddamn camera turns on mm-hmm. and operates. Mm-hmm. But I know that's not how a business works. It's just that it's I, – I sometimes – you see all this pervasion of wanting people to share and connect and all of this stuff, and you're like, okay, and if we do that, that's good for who, how? I mean, that sounds like a very naive thing to ask of these big, bad corporations. But, like, this is going to be good for who, how. Like, me having more footage of minorities who happen to ring somebody's doorbell and then people's discussion about it. Like, what what is that good for? Is that making me more secure? Is that making me more safe? Maybe more saliently. Is that actually improving the value of your product by adding that in? Because I'm not sure it does. And... You know, like I say, I mean, with Skype, I mean, it's just, it, it feels like I, maybe I'm alone, but I'm alone with a lot of other people, <laughs> title, which is, <laughs> you know, we just want this thing to work. We just want to be able to talk to people and record things. Yeah. It may not be how 80 to 90% of the people use it, but let's be candid. The 10% of people who are using it for what we do, um, it's a power user group. It's not just dingling podcasters. It could be interviews for the Washington Post. It could be things for NPR. This has become an industry standard for talking to strangers and recording it. And everything that they do to try to turn it into some kind of a, a festive merry-go-round for the very lonely is, is, is a bummer to the people who actually use it. Yeah. You getting all these? Yeah, I'm trying. Right. Okay. A festive merry-go-round for the... <laughs> A festive merry-go-round for the very lonely. I wonder if someone will Skype me today. Here's my Skype handle. Hit Gosh, me up just, on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm so bored with 
with anything that's going on in the whole social network space. I've used it's also I barely use Twitter. It's so grinding, I, yeah, Dan. It's so all far just so joyless and like ugh. <sighs> Instagram is the only app I even use that would fit into that category. And I'm not commu- yeah. I'm not communicating with other humans directly. I'm just looking at their pictures. I don't. Lose- I put my I put my mustache up there. I saw it. Yeah. I didn't know if you were, were ready to talk about it. Well, is that it's for a, a, it's a show a, it's a or work. something? No, 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 no. It's just a thing I'm doing. It, t- it takes very little effort for me. I like but, you it. Know, I, can, I can use it for my content. No, I like it. I think it's very interesting <laughs> and, a, and a very cool look for you. You'd be surprised how many compliments I get from people who are kindly lying to me about how my face looks. It's really sweet. It is, Anyways, it is a very, uh, very nice mustache. Like you, You've really got the genetics. It's the first time I've had one, one of these where it actually is kind of like a mustache. It doesn't look good, but it's definitely a mustache title. <laughs> you, you, you look, you look like a. Um, Don't I look like I'm in Deadwood? Yeah, you can yeah. use that for show art if you want. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Not everybody's on Instagram. No. Um, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Pretty, Kids are <clears throat> back in good. school now for you know what two two weeks. I don't know. So, so but finally, finally back in the groove of that. Well, we have some interesting school-related re- um, follow-ups. Yeah, we, we got a tremendous response from people. We got tremendous, really good response from people, like smart responses. I've selected one I'd love to highlight, if you'll allow it. Yeah, of course. I Can just, I mention one other thing I want to promote up front, because you're involved? Um, um, I've been trying for a long time to uh, schedule a time with this guy, Dan Lizette, to be on his show, Podcast Digest. And you should go on if you haven't yet. He's a guy who's really interested in podcasts and podcasters and what they do and stuff like that. So just minutes before I started recording with you, we wrapped up um, an episode about me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm on social media. About podcasts and podcasting, we talk about our show and how I still enjoy doing it and talking about comics with you and all the other great shows. Very nice. And, um, and Dan says that that's going to be coming out um, in the next day or two. So there's a link in notes to Podcast Digest where you can uh, see him and lots of other people on there. Dan, um, so please listen listen to that if you want. I'm very familiar with the Podcast Digest. In fact, we haven't done a lot of sponsorships uh, with Fireside, but that was one of the shows that I have sponsored because I love the show and I think he's doing great work. He's a uh, generous host and a nice man. Yeah, he's really cool. Dan, where would people find uh, show notes for episode 390 of your Back to Work program? Ah, uh, they would go to 5by5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 is in the number, W is in walrus, slash 390. Nine times. Nine. We're almost at 400. Primrose Path. Well, yeah. I had occasion to look, because we we're talking about my storied career in podcasting. Mm. I had occasion you've been, to You've been look. doing it for as long as anyone, really. Well, here's a, this is a crazy one. The first regularly scheduled podcast I was on was Mac Break Right. Weekly. I was going to say it had to have been Mac Break Weekly back in uh, 1920. 1920. <laughs> um, so right now they are on episode 625 of that show. Isn't that crazy? And you were on it regular. I mean, you were a regular I started on episode person. five. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Scott Bourne had a yacht. Um, Did you see the uh, images that I sent you? Do, 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 clicking, clicking, click. Ah, ah. Oh, no. You broke your dude. No, he's not broke. He's just not put together yet. Oh. Oh, is it a model? It is a resin statue, a resin model. 
And, oh, that uh, is handsome. He's got a rug. Yeah, yeah. He really has, ties the room together. Yeah, he has a rug. And basically, what this is, I'll I'll have to find it. They don't. Um, uh, it was a limited run, right? Yeah, it was a limited run, and I got it when there was like, you know, like I I forget where I saw the link to it. But, I saw your post about it. There was a very limited number left after you got yours. Yeah, there was like three after I got mine, and I thought, oh man, I've you know I. Like, do I want to spend money on this thing? I don't know. It's really good. But it's called the Dude Abiding Kit. I found it here. I'll put it into our show notes. And it is, I'll send you the link too, so you can enjoy and and uh, and, and look on with the rest of us. But it is a resin statue. And for those who are following along at home with the audio version, it is mm-hmm. the dude, the Big Lebowski uh a dude sitting on a rug he is holding a bowling ball in two hands but because he is he's got a white russian it looks like he has a white russian but because he is a deity of some kind um he has four arms like a vishnu-esque sort of statue and uh one arm he is holding a uh what looks to be a joint and the other mm-hmm. hand, he is balancing a, his white Russian on his fingertips, and the uh, middle two hands are holding, of course, a bowling ball. And he's obviously sitting, you're not a golfer. He's sitting cross-legged on the floor, and um, this is a this is uh, what they call a garage kit or a, a resin kit, where you are um, you are responsible for putting it together yourself and you it's beautifully detailed yeah it's really 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 nice i mean that really looks like jeff bridges i know i looked at the head i was like oh my, my god my uh, my, uh, my big lebowski action figure is a very stylized version yeah of him and walter yeah but this really looks like him yeah it's really good and so and it's and like i don't know if you've ever held a resin statue i've only held a couple of them but they're very, very heavy. Uh, oh, cool. and, and so, like, I'm going to need to break out the Dremel tool and uh, any, Dremel. Ex- any excuse to use the Dremel tool. I'm, sure, I'm all in. I should get a Dremel. I should get a Dremel. You don't have a Dremel. What's wrong? I don't have a Dremel. Dremel. I should get a Dremel. Like, right Dremel now. Tool. Just pause Dremel the show tool. and go get it. Oh, my kid would go to town with this thing. We have holes in everything. <laughs> Dremel tools. So I, Dremel tools. I thought you would like that, but no, he's not I broken. He's in, in lots of parts. In, in fact, his chest and torso is separate from the the pants and um and so i'm looking forward to putting this together it's got the jelly shoes yeah he's he's wearing his sandals There's sandals yeah. Yep. yeah this is beautiful good job dan yeah you made a good choice It'll here be a good one you know it's one of those things like i'm like i don't if i don't get this now i'll really regret it and that's the way that i try to decide if i should get something like if i if i know deep in my heart that if it's not available anymore that i'll be heartbroken then mm-hmm. i say oh, i better get it you did the right thing um, we have some excellent follow-up. Yeah, so wonderful much wonderful follow-up. Do you want to tell me about something you like? I'd like to tell you about Casper. Casper! What is a Casper? A Casper... What even? What even is this thing? Mm. It is a sleep brand that uh, they are not resting on their laurels by <laughs> saying, we have made one of the best mattresses in the whole world. They're not. That's not enough for them. They said, no, we're going to do more. We want to be more. We got to do more. And the fact is, we, we as human beings spend a third of our life sleeping. And the philosophy that Casper has is you're, you're going to spend so much time doing something, you might as well be comfortable doing it. And their, their products are cleverly designed to mimic the shape of the human body. They provide support and comfort uh, for you while you sleep. And this is very important. If you ever have woken up 
and you're feeling like you know maybe still a little bit tired even though you got the right amount of sleep or or you went to sleep and you you woke up and tossed and turned and you're aware of it the fact is that quality of sleep affects you in the whole rest of your life it affects your productivity it affects your happiness it affects so many different things and so many of us are sleeping on beds mattresses specifically that are just they're they're probably old they're probably broken down it doesn't take that long for a traditional old school bed to break down at casper mattresses are a whole night and day difference from what you've been sleeping on and they're really, really great. They are designed with supportive memory foams. Uh, they have just the right amount of uh, both sink and bounce, as we've told you before on the show. But mm-hmm. they, they have this wonderful, breathable design. It helps you sleep cool. It helps regulate your body temperature. So that eliminates one thing that might wake you up. It's very supportive, but it's still soft. So that's two more things that might wake you up and give you less than ideal quality sleep. They've addressed all of these things. And uh, they also have two other mattresses now. They have one that's called the Wave and one that's called the Essential. The Wave has a patent-pending pending, uh, premium support system that mirrors the natural shape of your body. That's like their higher-end mattress. Then they have the, uh, the Essential, which is their m- maybe more affordable mattress. It's streamlined design and at an affordable price. And, of course, there's the regular Casper, which is the one that, that I have that I have the most experience with. But now they do other stuff. They make pillows. They make sheets. Their whole goal is what can we do to give you a better night's sleep? And, uh, and, and so here's the important thing. You're hearing my voice right now, and you're saying, what if I don't like it? Yeah, and what if you don't like it? What, what if do? I don't like it? You they, stuck with it? No. You've got hmm. 100 nights risk-free to sleep on it, try it, and uh, and – if if for whatever reason you don't like it, they come and they take it away. You don't even have to like ship it anywhere yourself. They come to you and they take it away, but you get a hundred nights. And the fact is, if you've been sleeping on an old broken down mattress and you get any brand new mattress, not just the Casper, but any brand new mattress, it's you're going to have an adjustment period because you're not used to it. It's It's a change. And they understand that. So that's why they give you a full hundred nights. Try it for a full like hundred nights. That's more than three months. Make sure that you love it. You're going to love it, but they know that they want you to feel comfortable with that. So 100 nights to, uh, to try it out. And here's a special thing just for our listeners uh, of this program. You're going to get $50 toward a select mattress by visiting casper.com slash back to work. Select mattresses, not every mattress. So go there and look around. Mm-hmm. But you're going to use uh, the promo code back to work at checkout. Terms and conditions apply to that. Casper.com slash back to work. That supports the show. And using the promo code back to work can get you $50 toward select mattresses. So go check it out. And we appreciate the ongoing support from our favorite mattress, Casper. Casper.com. Thanks, Casper. Buck, buck. I love my Casper mattress. My whole family loves the Casper mattresses. I'm so glad traveling season is over. Oof. Is it over? I wish they put it in all the places. The ma- the Casper um, mattress, you mean? Well, I mean everywhere it belongs. I wouldn't want it like on a bus or something. I'm not a monster. Yeah, no. All right, so um, okay. On the one hand, I have to admit I have not fully processed all of the feedback we have gotten about this, but I have read it all. Um, feedback we received about I swear to God we're going to stop talking about this soon I had mentioned in our last episode that I talked to John Roderick about how um, some in-school testing what we were then calling standardized testing how it works and this odd phenomenon 
that seemed to be occurring where questions would get harder until you got questions on a test you didn't know. I was lamenting this because I have a sweet, precious angel and I don't want her to be sad and she's very smart. And so I, last week we threw out the, uh, threw it out to our listeners and said, Hey, listen, if you have any inside information about whether what we're talking about exists and is true, could you give us some information? And I have to say, Dan, we got so much good. A lot. I mean, probably like a, maybe even a dozen like really good responses from people. A lot of the people are in education or educators, teachers well, themselves. Well, I'm here's the thing. I just got permission from this man to say this is who wrote to us. We have. I, I do. I want to process all of these personally, and I may share more, um, especially from uh, some frequent listeners of the show who are in education. This is an email we received from Roberto Rodriguez, who is on the board of directors for the California Teachers Association. Which made me pretty excited. Oh, it's high up. I'm pretty into teachers. The only so person really above them is what? The, the governor. The governor of the superintendent's association? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so happy to get this email. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something I don't normally do, which is I'm going to show off a little bit and read this nice thing that uh, Mr. Rodriguez wrote to us. Hello, Merlin and Dan. I've listened to Back to Work since the beginning and I've always resisted emailing or tweeting at you guys because I figure you must get tons of email. And honestly, I didn't feel like I had something to add. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. This morning, I'm listening to you both uh, talking about standardized testing in schools and I couldn't resist. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. He tried. Mr. Rodriguez tried. He got the shakes. He was so like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like you're Superman. You got to stop a bullet. You're not going to go get a Froyo. You stop a bullet because <laughs> no, you're Superman. You got to. It's your That's obligation. Mr. Rodriguez. He steps in. New paragraph. As a 30-year educator and an advocate for public education, I can tell you that the way Merlin described the test is exactly how those tests work. Most teachers hate these tests. And frankly, we feel like our limited time in the classroom would be better spent teaching our students than testing and prepping students for testing. <laughs> In California, we're lucky that we've rejected the notion that these tests are the only indicator of student success. As Merlin mentioned in the podcast, it's a measure of student test-taking skills. Boom. He mentions also, which puts it in a show notes, he said, um, I'll keep this short and only add that at least in California, parents have the ability to opt out their children from these standardized tests. Here's some info on parents' rights for opting kids out. And he says, uh, thank you for spending time on this issue. Thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. And I just want to super duper redouble clarify that lots, he's not the only one. Lots of people wrote us about this. And I just shared that because he's kind of a big shot and said something nice about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to summarize, uh, f- f- I think I'm summarizing fairly. Yes, there were a lot of responses from people who seem to know what they're talking about. And here's what I pulled out as the threads. Um, this type of testing is very common. Several people said that this is used, it may or may not be used on the final, like, um, mandated test, but these are very heavily used f- in, in particular for a very special purpose, which is evaluation. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a little bit last week, but just to clarify, the way that this is most effective and important and efficient, it seems, is in evaluation. So several people took pains to say, well, the reason we do this is we can actually actually ask a lot fewer questions to get the answers that we need to know what people are and are not good at. Um, another part of the summary is a lot of teachers really don't care for this for any variety of reasons, including what Mr. Rodriguez laid out. But another, maybe the final thread, almost everybody seems to agree. <laughs> it's like Dr. Strangelove. It doesn't work unless you tell people. Like every- <laughs> 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 the doomsday gap. Um, 
everyone seems to agree. Guess what, guys? You have to tell your little test takers that this is how the test works. Tell people. Somebody who wrote in uh, with regard to nursing. This is very common in medical testing for people who are in medical professions. But they're all taught from the beginning that this is how the damn test works. Mm -hmm. So don't lose all hope. I mean, if you're like me and you're a half-educated monkey, you know to skip the questions you don't know. If you can, I guess you can't do that on a computer. I don't know. And go back later on. But like, what if you start getting into ones you don't know and you just feel like you have to give up? Well, guess what? It turns out that might mean you're actually doing fairly well. And, you know, as I read these more and synthesize this more, I'll be able to share more. But I think you get the gist. Um, you right, know, because I, that's, I think that's for a lot of people. I think you said this on the last episode, too, but I, I, it's worth repeating. A lot of people, when you go and you're thinking about taking a test or you want to go take a test, he's like, I'm supposed to be able to know and figure out the answer to these things. They wouldn't ask me this unless I knew the answer. Right. I'm supposed to know the answer, and I don't. Well, I guess I'll just put down whatever I think is the right answer. That, that to me, means like that's very discouraging if you don't understand the way this thing works. Yeah, I mean, another another friend of the show, uh, just to pipe in real quickly here, because um, this, this adds a little more uh, tomato to the sauce. Uh, the professional development seminars I've attended, this is an educator, I've attended on the topic, start with the idea that the computers will generate questions of increasing difficulty until the test taker answers incorrectly. If you get into the weeds a bit, the computer actually selects sets of questions based on the preceding set's answers. That seems kind of smart. Once a set is mostly incorrect, the computer is supposed to step the next set down in difficulty. If those are mostly correct, then the third set will be somewhere between the first and the second in difficulty. Again, seems sensible. This is supposed to pinpoint the test taker's level of proficiency in whatever field is being tested, but with far fewer questions than a traditional standardized test. This introduced early on as a tool for the GRE, and it has trickled down through high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools as they have built up their computer labs. Many people like um, uh, computerized adaptive testing because it is new and it involves computers. <laughs> right, right. It has to be testing better. Companies, it has to be testing better. Co- testing companies like it because it means that more schools and institutions will need to license their products. And this is good because he knows me. He knows my kid. He says, that's what I know. What I reckon for your children's cases is that they may have done well on the arithmetic portion of the test. And if they did well enough, the computer may have thrown some pre-algebra at her. The kids haven't been taught that topic yet. So even though they have the tools to get through single variable algebra, the lack of the experience leaves them confused about how or where to apply those tools. This leads to a sense of crushing defeat. And even though the test says they scored high, the experience of, quote, math is hard is what registers the most. Yeah, in other words, it sucks. I think our initial assessment was that it's um, evil. Yeah. Anyways, you know, but if you tell the kids it's different, I don't know. I'm going to think on this more. I realize I'm becoming very emotional about these things. And when I become emotional, it's a signal to me that I need to evaluate my position. Because you get stuck on that emotion, you start grinding your gears, and you get careless and dumb. And I don't want to be like that. So realizing how emotional this makes me, I'm trying to take a step back educate myself better and ask whether it's really just me flaming out about my feelings or something I can actually help my kid with. So that's, that's my position as of uh, September 4th is I, I want to be wise and not purely emotional. Although it does seem evil. No, it's evil. What do you think? No, it's evil. I think it's, you know, for me, the whole idea of testing, I was never a good test taker uh, ever. Like even if I knew the subject very well, Unless there was an essay part, uh, I always did perfectly on the essay parts because for me, my reading comprehension was very, very good and I was a very, very good writer. So Mm -hmm. those were the things that I was good at. 
And if there was an essay question or a paper that I had to write or something, yeah, that would be the easy part. Even if I didn't know the material, I could BS my way through it because I was such a good writer. But like, give me an actual test. I was a horrible test taker. I was the worst, worst test taker, even on material that, that I knew because a lot of the time I found that it, it wasn't like the tests were designed to test your knowledge. They were designed to test how well you take tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would put trick questions in there. I see this in my kids' homework all the time. They're, they will insert questions that are designed intentionally to trick you. They will say, mm-hmm. oh, there's four of these things, and they each do this. But then they'll ask how many of this is actually there, and it, and it has something I, I'm not coming up with a good example. I could probably grab my kid's homework and, and bring it to the next show and read it if it mattered. But they're, they're always sort of trying to trick you. And I guess you could say, well, that that is part of the reading comprehension. That's part of the test. And I'd say, yes, it is. But it's not really testing what you're supposed to be learning. If you're supposed to be learning long division and you're supposed to be getting the uh, pieces of the puzzle to, f- to create your long division question from this body of text that that's there then just don't don't also test them on reading comprehension in that part i don't know maybe i'm being uh too generous but i was never a very good test taker Mm-mm. and so i never did well on any kinds of tests but and if you're bad at tests you assume you're bad at school right for me. because that's the measurement of yeah. of how well you're doing is how did you do on the test so any class that involved an essay uh, whether that was english or Many times history classes, I did, I got A's and anything that was involved in memorize this stuff and regurgitate it onto a test. I I didn't do very well. The math that I was the best at, I think we've talked about math before a lot, but the math that I was always the best at in in high school anyway, was always geometry because for me, Mm -hmm. it felt a lot like programming and I've been programming for many years by that point already. That's so interesting. I mean, it was, there's rules. It's not, it's not uh, numb. There, there were rules. (laughs) There were, uh, there were the right way to, uh, market smoky. (laughs) There were the right way to do things. And, and (laughs) if you remembered the way to do things, you were in good shape and you could take your, you could go in and take your test. And if you remembered the theorems, you were fine. And yeah, I guess there was some degree of memorizing theorems, but it also made sense. It was logical. It was based on, on, on logic and concepts and not rote memorization, which I was never, never, never any good at. Uh, oh, that has such a smaller role now. Yeah. Which I love. You know, they don't have to memorize times tables. We actually did have them learn to memorize times tables because they don't teach that in school, but boy, it's good to know. There. Are four lights? Lights. <laughs> what made what made you think of that? I don't know. I'm just thinking about testing this design to screw with your. Oh head. man, yeah. that's a great episode. That's a really good. I like that. I like the one where he makes the flute in another life. Yeah, he lives a whole lifetime in like uh, thirty seconds. Oh boy, that's that wild. would be tiring. You think your day's long? Woo, are you kidding me? He hmm. lived like fifty years. He had like a I whole life. Guy. He had the grandkids and everything. He made a flute. And he made a flute. Why not? <laughs> Don't even need a reason. The other ones you couldn't even. I'm in a silly mood. The other ones you couldn't even look at. Watch, watch the wall with the stone. Um, okay, now I am just breaking down. I need to zap my PRAM. I am merely just saying lines from movies. Well, I, wrong? I no, but here. Okay, so yes, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, let's uh, talk about something important. Over over this Labor Day weekend. Yes. I took my child to see 2001, A Space Odyssey. Is this Odyssey. The, new, the new big big print? Yeah, they had released a 70 millimeter print of it that 
They only that's a, that's a lot of millimeters. It is, it is, and apparently that's the original print that you would have seen if you'd gone and seen uh, two thousand one uh, when it when it originally came out uh, back in nineteen sixty eight, I think. And uh, then there is also a four K version of it that was fully restored. That I understand was like color corrected and other things to make it look. Didn't Christopher Nolan work on this? Yes, he worked on the uh, 4K restoration. That's the one that we saw. Now, my boy, who's almost 11, he I was about his age, maybe a little younger when I first saw it, and um, and and I've seen it so many times, but I'd never seen it on the big screen, and he's never seen it at all. And so I thought, all right, this would be a cool opportunity. He doesn't mind a long movie, and this movie is quite long. It's two hours and 40 minutes with a 15 minute intermission that I believe is included in the runtime and how quaint to have an intermission partway through a movie. Uh, It's a movie that is according to my daughter boring. Yes. And the pacing is definitely not what we expect from today, but it is gorgeous. It's a masterpiece. It's a a masterpiece. And there's, there's so much, especially for the time. My God, can you imagine seeing that in 1968 and how blown your mind would be? I mean, it's, crazy but he he actually really enjoyed it and of course he loves loves Hal, loves Hal. and i could after talking to him it's funny because there's so many 2001 references just peppered throughout all media whether it's you know cartoons you and the, the simpsons, simpsons you've and, already seen like six of them that's right and, and oh that's the bone <laughs> that's the bone and there's the put him you know in space with the potato chip and all this other stuff that that it it just i could see all these different pieces of the puzzle clicking together for him but he really enjoyed it and i absolutely loved it i loved seeing it on the big screen and it was just a treat and uh highly recommended and um and so oh i met met a listener in the audience there while we were there uh, well, did you get noticed garrett hi garrett witness uh, me garrett loves uh loves back to work and uh is a big fan and hi, said, said hi uh but yeah he was he was there with his uh cousin and uh, showing it to him his, his cousin was a uh film major in college and had never seen 2001 so he was there what? for a what? master class in filmmaking. What? But it was great. It's like taking English lit and never reading Shakespeare. I know. But you've got to go to see this. If it, it, You, Merlin, and anyone listening. Everybody says this, yeah. Go see it on the big screen. It's it's quite a I treat love, to I see I love that that movie takes its time. Yes. I mean, I just drink in all of the stuff of like, there was no real, story-wise maybe, there's no real need to show the trip and bringing out the walking around the circle and bringing out the food and his pen with Haywood Floyd and all that. Yeah. I love Haywood Floyd. There's no, I mean the, the, the video call, like none of that was strictly necessary. The sitting around the airport talking, but it is important because the tone of that is just, God, it's such a weird movie. It's so weird. Oh, it's, it's bizarre. Movie. It's incredibly it's showing the end of it. Um, end is very strange. And I don't, you know, I won't give anything away, but no. I, I, I will just say that the ending is, is interesting and confusing. And, um, could you explain what happens with the star thing and the room? Were, were you able to, what did your kid think happened? Uh, well, I asked him before I, I explained what, I've, I, I think, and what I've read about the from because Kubrick actually did eventually was pressured to to f- explain what actually happened, but he, um, you know, I don't. I, I think he understood in in literal terms what was going on, 
uh, I don't know, how do I say it without ruining everything? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He, it, he it understood. Is, it is definitely, yeah. He understood what happened, but he didn't quite, in the very final scene, he didn't quite make the jump to understanding that, and I didn't need to. The, sort of, the star child. Yes, I didn't need to explain that a little bit. But once I explained it, he's like, it, then it made perfect sense. And then he's like, oh, okay, that's, that makes sense now. Uh, but he really liked it. And of course, the best scene, and it, it's so funny because. The lip reading? Any, well, oh, yeah. God, I love that scene. Any time that we think that we've come up with something good, you can always kind of go back to a Kubrick movie and find he did it first. There's mm-hmm. one scene where, God, I don't want to ruin anything, where there is a, hmm, how do I say this? There is a, something is being revealed mm-hmm. and Kubrick does a series of zoom cuts where it's like it'll show one shot for a split second and then a closer up shot of the same thing for a split second and a closer up shot of the same thing for a split second. And I see this technique all over the place on Instagram and in videos that people are making all the time. And Sharp here's, objects. Yeah. And here's Kubrick doing it in 68 like it's no big deal. And it, yeah, I just loved it. I'll send you a link to that scene for you to to watch but it's it's so good this movie has everything everything's in it but it's so weird because there's so many parts is in the beginning in the intro when um when you're in the space station uh the 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 midway point between the earth and the moon yes and and when you're in there it feels like clockwork orange so much to me uh, and the Corova milk the bar, and the tone, and the fur, and the way that people talk to each other. He's eating. He's eating his little little, little disco tray. Yeah. And watching an iPad. Yeah, oh, got so the good. iPad right there. But I'll tell you what, I have. Um, so of course, you know, I I wind up going down a rabbit hole, um, you know, reading about this, and I found some really cool writings about this. I'll I'll send you one, and I'll drop it into the show notes afterwards. Cool. Uh, but it just it it breaks down everything from like you know how the how you'll read these things that are like conspiracy type theories of like how the shining is all about the moon landing and the goofy has significance and the shirt and well there's stuff all about 2001 but it breaks it down in a much different level of how how um it starts out that you know we are we are making tools and then the tools change us and then we change the tools until eventually we become the tools for the tools that we've created and yeah, fascinating yeah. stuff. So I'll, More I'll put relevant that in the than show ever notes. now. Oh yeah. Mm. <sighs> Kubrick and Beyond the Cinema Frame, an in-depth analysis of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Text copyright by Rob Ager, 2008. Last updates added 2015. Chapter 8, The Technology Trap. And that, that is what's going in our show notes. Ooh, good! <laughs> it's so good. Well, I'm glad you got to see it. That's really cool. Are you going to go? Do you have you I have a uh, 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 Alamo Draft House there? That's where I saw it. Oh, let me see. Got to go. Let's see if it's showing there. Yeah, it's it's on the mission. You got to drive. Ugh. <clears throat> Driving, am I right? Stupid. You're just mm, killing the environment far. every time you start that car. No, stop. Let's see, 2001, it's showing in IMAX at some place. Like literally a thousand bees die every time you turn the ignition. Ready for this one? Yeah. You know what I love? What? Talking about great, great product changes, you know what I love? What? I love Fandango. Fandango. When you go to Fandango. You know when I open Fandango? Let me tell you Fandango. I'll tell you when I open the Fandango app, Fandango. I open the Fandango app, Fandango, when I'm ready to buy a ticket to a movie at a time in a given theater. Fandango. So I open your app, 
and I go, uh, I want to see Mission Impossible Fallout at 2 p.m. on Sunday. And you know what it does? What? It has a pop-up interstitial ad for another movie. Really? It's like, you know, you don't have to be the sharpest tool in the UX drawer to know that's not super smart. I have a, I'm motivated to complete a task right now in which you will receive some money. Do you really want to take me off that? Do you really? I mean, you know, it's one thing to say subscribe to our newsletter when the page loads. That sucks. But like, boy, the, what a dingling app. You know what I like? I'll tell you one thing I like about Fandango, unironically, though, is if you can't make In that case, we couldn't make it to Fallout this weekend. And I'm bummed. But we couldn't make it on Sunday. And so uh, within a certain period of time before the movie, you can get a not a refund, but a full credit. You say I can't make it and it just credits your account the full amount. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. It makes me... Sometimes when I buy the ticket and put it on the calendar, my kid's more likely to go. Hmm. Oh, and it's right up there. It's right up there. They it's can, on the calendar they already. See you it already. do it. Yeah. A calendar is a contract. Get them to sign on the line that is dotted. Yeah. Uh, I have some weird follow-up. Um, I can't tell how far in we are. We are. Oh, we're about 50 minutes. 50 in. minutes, yeah. We're done. I, I had to look at the actual clock. Ooh. Um, I got some follow up on Sonos ONE. Um, do you want to tell me about one more thing that you like? Yeah, of course I would. I would like to take this is actually a, a fun, a really new sponsor, not a pretend new sponsor, but an actual new sponsor. It's called Chegg. C H E G G. Here's what it lets you do it lets you search. Chegg it. You got to go and Chegg it. Chegg it. And then when you're Chegging it, they're like, Chegg, 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 Chegg. Yeah. Chegg. Rent that book. So you get to search for free scholarships. You get to browse course reviews. You get uh, 24-7 study help and you can rent tech book, textbooks or tech books. You get tech books. For a fraction of the cost of your bookstore all in one big... You know that's become very costly, Dan. What? Getting the textbooks have become books? very, very costly. Yeah, they're like hundreds of dollars for a stupid book. I thought book. they were expensive when we were in there, but I saw an article on a website the other day about how they're very, very expensive now. They're really expensive. And this is where this is what Chegg is all about making it ma- making you uh, better as a student, regardless of your age, regardless of how, how it is that you've come to find yourself as a student, they're the leader in online study assistance. So whether you need textbook solutions or whether you need an expert Q&A, there's no better tool that will help you ace pretty much any class than Chegg Study. They have everything that you need to make the most of a, of a study session or get through homework problems. And this is not one of those things that's like, oh, I just downloaded a, you know, a paper of my own. No, this is about making you... Uh, more effective when you're studying and they, you can do this at home on your desktop. You can, they have a, a mobile app that you can use and they have a massive library of step-by-step textbook solutions. Subjects cover, uh, I mean, accounting, biology, calculus, mechanical engineering. If you're studying for midterms, they'll help you get prepped for that or for a final cool. exam or if you have difficult homework problems, you need to figure out how to do something. Like you can Even master if you're going to that class. lousy standardized testing. I think it could help you with it that. It can help too. you with that. Why not? I think yes. And they have expert help. If you need help with a problem right away, the Chegg Study app, you snap a picture. This listen to this. This is real. I'm not making this up. This you snap up. a picture of the problems, okay, that like you can't figure out the answer to, and you mm-hmm. submit it, it goes to Chegg's experts. And then you'll get an answer back. They say as little as two hours. You, you say you take a photo that. and it goes straight to a Chegspert. Yeah, a Chegspert. Wow. And they like help you figure it out. 
Imagine if we had had this in college or wherever. I, I can't mean, even imagine that. Cool. I'd okay. be so much smarter. So it's a subscription service, and you're going to get five bucks off your first month subscription by going to Chegg, C-H-E-G-G. That's two Gs. Chegg.com slash back to work. And the promo code is back to work. And you'll get five bucks off your first month subscription. Again, that's Chegg, two Gs, C-H-E-G-G, Chegg.com slash back to work. And uh, be, a, be a more effective studier and test prepper with Chegg. So go check them out, and we appreciate their support. Thanks, Chegg. Puck, puck. Dan, Mr. Rodriguez has already written to us on the Twitter machine. What did he say? He said, hey, our names. Thanks for the mention on the Back to Work podcast. Oh, he's already, already replied He's already on that. the internet. The topic of high-stakes testing is important. We continue to pretend that by reducing the complexity of learning to a single test score, somehow teaching is a simple activity. Not good. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. I wonder if it's he ever speaks for the teachers. occurred to him that I've agreed to go after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st. Does it matter it's to con- him at all? It's a contract. That the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me? Oh, my God. And then I have signed a letter of agreement, a contract, <sighs> in which I have accepted that responsibility. That's my scream, Doc. I don't think that he, uh, he knows. How, are you watching? Are you watching? Wendy. Wendy. The, the uh, uh, Stephen King one? Castle Rock. No, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's, I'm still watching base videos, but I, I should, should I watch it? Is it good? It sounded middling. Castle Rock? Castle Rock. I'm enjoying the experience of watching it. It's no that, sharper That's me objects. and Jack Ryan, where I'm watching Jack Ryan. I'm like, oh, this I isn't that good, that. but it's, this it's, isn't that good, but it's good. It's good. It's okay. It's not, it's no Patriot, but it's, it's fun. It's, I think you, you know. like Castle Rock. I think you Castle should uh, watch it. I have a note for that. Are you, why, have I you will. seen Ozark yet? Did I recommend Ozark to you? Uh, I've watched some Ozark and I season know two it's is out now and it's, it's, it good. seems really good also. Huh? 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 My TV. Oh, you know, I'm watching the defenders as my sort of late night kind of oh, should, cool. should be going to bed and haven't gone to bed Do yet. Do you have seen all the other shows or can I just watch that? I have seen, um, both seasons of Jessica Jones. I've seen one and a half seasons of Luke Cage and I, I couldn't get into Daredevil. Maybe I'll revisit it now. I, you couldn't I, get into season one of Daredevil? I don't know what's. I don't know why. Wow. I'll give it another try. But Dare, uh, Defenders is great. I'm really enjoying it. And no, I, the answer is you don't need to see. I mean, uh, I know the characters. The I just haven't. Yeah. You can so jump Defenders, right in. Jump what right was into the other Defenders. one? What was the other one? Castle Rock? Castle Rock. Right, I mean, I'm done. putting Castle Rock over Defenders for sure. Moving it up. Uh, and Ozark is fantastic. If you liked Breaking Bad at all, Ozark is yeah. going to be right in your wheelhouse. That's got what's his name in it, right? Michael's yeah. in it. Yeah, it's got um, Jason Bateman. Yeah. Jason Bateman. Cool. And um, lo- oh, there's other things. I watched a movie called Lock. L O C K E. Oh, it's got Tom Hardy. Have you seen it? Yeah, it looks amazing. It's really, really good. I was surprised that it's basically yeah, it's like a movie in a car. It's him in a car. <laughs> And right. he's the Everybody only person on screen. It, but what's interesting is like he's having phone calls the whole time. And, um, and one of the people that calls him who plays his son is Tom Holland, Spider-Man. What? Yeah, so Spidey, Spidey and Venom in the same movie. Is he allowed to be English in it? Uh, does he even have an English accent? Are they both doing American accents? Uh, no, he's um, Tom Hardy's Welsh or plays a Welsh character in, a in the movie. He is not Welsh in real life, but he is. No. He, and apparently, he pays his debts. I can't tell if uh, if it's a good Welsh accent or not, but it it, it sound good to me. 
Yeah, close oh, enough for government work. Another movie. It's so weird. Enemy. Enemy. Also on Netflix. Enemy um, on Netflix. Mind-blowingly weird, and I highly recommend it if if you right. like that uh, kind of thing. It's it's got um, what's the name of the actor in that? Um, Jake Gyllenhaal oh. is in this movie, and it oh, is can. so weird. Enemy. You've got to oh. watch the enemy. No, you've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. And it's got the girl Ooh, from, it sounds weird. from Alias Grace is in it. Oh, she's excellent. Right. She's all really right. good. You give, me, you give me much to think about. I've written all the things down. Oh, it's so good. Castle Rock Defenders, Lock, Enemy, Ozark. You give me five things to watch. Mm-hmm. You've got to. Do it by Friday, Merlin. Watch, <laughs> what else? Do I, I want to watch Toast of the Town. What's that? <clears throat> That shows up a lot on Netflix. Toast of the Town. What is that one? I'll put a note down. Toast oh, of the Town. Oh, it's the guy who's the children's performer in the Portlandia episode. I forget his name. It's supposed to be really weird. I got to watch Counterpart. I got to just sit down and do it. What, what's, I've heard about Counterpart. What? Huh? I've heard about Counterpart. Oh, it's great. Have I've you seen The, the Invitation? The Invitation. No. Stop. Oh, it's That's another enough. weird one. No, you got to watch The Invitation. I got to talk about my Sonos and then go, <laughs> I got to go lay down. All right. Tell I've me about your I've done two Sonos. podcasts today. All right. Uh, this is really boring. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I got the Sonos One. Mm. And um, set it That's up. the one I just got, right? Yeah. Well, that's the one you encouraged me to get. And I got How it. How is it? You know, I, I just want to, like, I don't know. I, I want to enter this as another interesting data point in the smart market. Okay. Because it's, ugh, it does sound really good. I don't think it sounds quite as good as a HomePod, but it sounds way better than most things. It sounds really good. And it does some Alexa things. Like, it's good at, like, playing music. I just, I want to be a little bit of a karma suck Mm. about this product because I think it points out some of what makes this environment so fraught right now. And I, I am admittedly a nerd and power user of smart home stuff. I have very high expectations of what it will do and how it will interact with other things. Mm -hmm. So as good as the HomePod sounds... Alex Cox, I'm going to continue to be bummed about how crappy the Siri is on it. So I don't care how good it sounds, it's still bumming my head. Yeah. So I got one, I set it up, and you know, it's it's pretty cool. Immediately ran into a frustrating thing about some of these devices. So when they say this product has Alexa, mm-hmm. <laughs> Alexa, stop! There should be a series-sized asterisk on this <laughs> about what AlexA means in practice. So, I mean, like, you know how it's if kind you of weird say to- if you said to me this thing has AlexA, I would assume yeah. that it's the same as the thing you, that I would have bought. You assume that it's pretty much the same stock thing that any AlexA device can do. Yeah, it should be able yeah. to do any anything that the one I get from Amazon should do. It, this could do. Well, here's what we've learned from uh, Siri is that not all series are created equal. So your iOS device is almost inarguably the most robust, potentially robust Siri thing in your world. You can do almost everything that Siri can do on your iOS device, unless it's a bespoke product. Like you can't look up, you can't pull up a, pull up an episode. I don't know if you can pull up an episode. Can you pull up an episode of a TV show on your phone the way that Apple TV can? I doubt it. 
I haven't tried. <clears throat> Maybe. But that, you, you would expect that. It's just that when you use anything that's not iOS, you immediately notice some of the stuff it can't do. And boy, is there stuff Siri. I'm talking about Siri here, not A-L-E-X-A. But just, just to pivot. So Siri, like for example, I can say, uh, tell me when my wife leaves work. Like I can't do that on my watch. My watch is going to say, go do that on iOS. We've gotten used to that. Uh, one really great one that maybe not everybody knows about. I'm going to do a Donald Trump here and say many people don't know this because I didn't know this. Um, that because of the HomeKit, if your if your Apple TV is on HomeKit, you can hit Siri on your any almost any capable well many capable devices and say pause Apple TV, mm. which is surprisingly useful because so you can yell at your HomePod pause Apple TV and it'll do it. Your watch won't do that, regrettably. But that kind of stuff. So we're kind of used to the fact that there's some things you can do some places and not others. Well, in the ALEXA world, which we will now start saying as Echo because that's really annoying, in the Echo world, there's all, we also are used to that there. Like there, you can't create, edit, or even see routines, um, Echo routines, anywhere but a mobile device, which is weird. Because routines are one of the most powerful things you can do. It's so strange to me you can't see it. And given that it's just a web view, I don't, I don't understand why the app doesn't do this. But if you want to even see your routines, you would not know routines exist if you only used it on desktop. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. But you get used to that. There's other kinds of things you can turn, you can or cannot turn on or off, do or not do. Mm. But, but here's the one that really grinds my gears is – I naturally, I, I, one of the reasons I got this is because as with my other voice dinguses, dingai, I want to put it through its paces and make sure right. it does all the stuff. So in this case, this is going somewhere eventually. So this is in a room with other voice devices, which happens to be my bedroom. Next on my, on my, um, bedside table, I have an Echo Spot, which as, as previously stipulated is, I think, the best especially the best starter in some ways. The Echo Spot, which is the tiny little semi-cylindrical thing with a video screen, is very cool. Um, the the Show, which is the one that's more overtly a video screen, it's not, it's okay, it's really ugly, it doesn't do YouTube anymore, It's so it's lost some of its effectiveness. I would say, as in our case, an Echo Show is great to have in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, an Echo Spot works really well on a bedside stand with an EFF sticker over the camera. I think it's a real good thing to have. Um, now, all the devices in my house are hailed by ALEXA. One nice thing is that, first of all, A, this family of products has gotten very good about detecting proximity. So if you have more than one device in the house, it's gotten way better about knowing which one you meant to be talking to. But if that doesn't work, a built-in feature of Echo is that per full Echo device, you can go in and change that hailing word for one of, I think, four options. What, so like pre, you can't make up your own word. You it, cannot currently do that. Right. The default is, is A-L-E-X-A. You could also choose Echo. You can choose Amazon or you can choose computer if you want to be all. Like Star car. Trek about it, yeah. And they all have their ups and downs. I mean, if your name is Alex, Alex Cox, there's a pretty good chance you're going to fire off your device all the time without meaning to. Right. But that is beneficial in some cases. And I'll, I'll circle back. So here's the thing. I immediately started putting this thing through its paces. I set up the Sonos One. Sounds great. Uh, pretty easy to set up. Um, pretty neat. And I, but I started immediately noticing some things that were frustrating about it that end up being synergistically annoying. Um, one of the first things I noticed is, is it can't seem to control 
I could be wrong. I was having trouble getting it to do stuff like control my lights in the way that I expected. I'll spend more time on that. That's actually the least of my bitches, but it seemed to be having some, some trouble doing that. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. The first thing I noticed, so you buy, let's say you buy this device, <clears throat> which you have and I have. Now, if you're already an existing Echo user, you know one of the most powerful things in a multi-Echo house is something called multi-room speakers. So with these little cheap devices, these little crappy to semi-nice Echo devices, there's an ability in the, div- in the app to go in and say, for the following speakers, create a group called X. So let's say you got three, four, five speakers. You want this one, this one, and this one. I want those to be a group called, in my case, Upstairs. So every Echo in my house, except the one in my daughter's room, is on that group. So I can say out loud, hey, Dingus, play KQED FM That's upstairs. cool. That's very cool. And now that plays synced. That plays KQED through the entire house. I could say I could call up a podcast from Spotify, whatever, and that works just seamlessly throughout the house. So you say to yourself, you say, oh, that's cool. Well, Sonos, that was their original thing. The original thing that made Sonos powerful is multi-room capabilities, grouping speakers. A speaker is called a room. It's really weird, but your speaker is named as a room. Right. Super powerful, right? Uh, The first thing that made my heart sink, you cannot include a Sonos One in your Echo multi-room speakers. It only works with full-on as far as I can tell, Echo speakers, which led me to dig in a little deeper. And now I'm discovering more things. So yes, you can throw to your Sonos O-N-E. You can throw to that. We're spelling a lot of things. Yeah. You can throw to that with AirPlay, and it's it's cool. Um, but it can't be part of that. Like That was so such a bummer for me because I had envisioned moving or retiring an Echo in my house to replace this. I was going to get rid of uh, the one I had in one room, put this in that room, because doesn't it seem like you would be able to put that on the Echo multi-room system? Yeah, why wouldn't that, you be able to? It seems Because like it's you... not Sonos. It's not, it is fully Sonos, but it's not fully Echo. <sighs> and it just gets worse from there. There are a bunch of things you can only do with a full-on Amazon Echo device, including changing the hail word. Mm. You can't do that on a Sonos One. Now, do you think that that's something that Amazon just I think it's simply... a limitation of Amazon's API. Right. Like, you have to Probably. be on authorized, like, true, legit hardware in order only... I, and I, you can I, only I get that experience direct from Amazon's own stuff. I, I guess so, but this is the point where... So now, those all seem like really niggling things that would not affect anybody but a super nerd, and maybe that's true, but this is where I ran up against the wall, because... There are a lot of my routines that this thing is not capable of firing off. So if it's in the room with another or near in proximity to another Echo and you call out your hail word, which is unchangeable on that device, and it can't do it, you're right back in that whole frustrating series situation. And it can't, it can't do it. You can't change it. So my initial idea was, well, I'll keep all of the hail words the same for the straight up Echo devices and change it for just this one. But guess what? You can't. You, can. you can't change it for that one. And so the most, and now we now we're back in a HomePod situation. So this extremely good sounding, seemingly super capable device, it's not a full on member of the family. So I'm 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 disappointed just because my expectations were high. I'm going to spend more time with it and try to learn to love it. Um, have you used the Wemo family of products? Uh, I, f- I forget who they're made by, but Wemo Wemo is really cool because you can just buy smart switches. 
and they um, work with your – they can work with just your phone, so no hub required. So that's what I've kitted out my office with. I didn't want to have a hub at the office. I right. thought it was, I'll just have these Wemos. But you know a limitation of that app that's really annoying? It can only deal with one Wi-Fi network. Sounds, again, small deal, right? Who cares? Who would ever need more than one Wi-Fi network? Well, how about that weirdo that likes smart home stuff so much that they have it in more than one location in their life? And guess what? Sam goes here. Uh, Sonos cannot handle more than one Wi-Fi network unless you're going wireless. There's a hack, apparently, where you initially set it up with Ethernet, and then I guess there's some way that you can hack it, but it does not natively handle more than one Wi-Fi network. So I can't even bring it into work to replace the one that I've got unless I hook it up with Ethernet. And I'm you're, you're, you're running... I mean, would you say these are main issues? Are they just edge cases? Or? It's, you know why? You know why I'm mentioning I'm mentioning it because this thing's cool and I want it to be great. I'm also, we talked about this on a Do By Friday that'll come out this week. I've also been dealing um, with several options for something I'm trying to accomplish that involves motion detection. And I've so far bought four different motion detectors that make the most frustrating Venn diagram just about that I can think of. Some work with HomeKit. Some work with the Echo ecosystem. Some have a bespoke app that it mostly only works with. Some have it work with a third-party app. Some have limited functionality in HomeKit. And some work with If This Then That. I have so far not found a motion detector. (laughs) Of all things, I have not found a motion detector that in particular will work with If This Then That and HomeKit. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying all these different combinations to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Is this the end of the world? This is easily the whitest white wine that you are going to hear this week, which is that a motion detector is not compliant with more services. <laughs> yeah. But I care about this, and I spend money on this, and I find this crazy and difficult. This We still have a ways to go in making this something that normal people can just pick up and get. Because, well... Are you on a Zigbee network? Are you on a SmartThings network? Are you in HomeKit? Are you in an Echo 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 ecosystem? <laughs> are you? Do you have Echo products that only do certain Echo things, and then your Sonos does different Echo things or fewer Echo things? And it's all really—it's still kind of a mess. And I don't—I don't know if HomeKit is the answer to that because there's still a lot of stuff that just doesn't work with HomeKit, or if it does work with HomeKit, it doesn't work with if ta ta ta. And it's kind of maddening. It's kind of maddening. So these are all. For now, these are all at least edge cases, if not corner cases. The stuff that I'm expecting this stuff to be able to do is definitely at least an edge case. But it does further highlight to me, setting aside the privacy stuff, why more people are not all in on this stuff. It's costly, it's complicated, and it requires a hobbyist super interest in figuring out whether your HO train is going to run on this H track. And then I guess this is further exacerbated, not to spoil the surprise here, but this week's Do By Friday challenge was to use the Echo drop-in feature. So it's had me spending a lot of time. And boy, is that ever a feature that I could use some polish. People really? are freaked out about this stuff. Yeah, if you turn on this, this drop-in ability, anybody on your contact list can now say, drop in on Dan Benjamin. And there'll be a minute when the screen, you have to turn it on. Mm-hmm. But if it's turned on, you'll see a little bit of like a foggy screen that becomes generally clearer. And then somebody's looking at a camera in your house. It's real weird. Now that's the, that's the one thing that uh, people don't. Well, you've done two shows today. I've done two shows, too many shows. 
So anyway, I'm, I'm mostly venting. Um, I, what I am saying also, though, if there is some small minority of people that are in the Echo ecosystem that are excited about the Sonos One, uh, you know, tread lightly and make sure this will do what you think it is going to do. For now, let me it just is, check. For it's regular, not a fully fledged member of the family. For regular, let's just say this is your only device. Let's say that you're not living in the the world that you have where you've got a lot of devices that are all playing together. But if this is just you just want to hear some really good music, and by the way, maybe you can do some cool stuff with the Amazon Echo, would this do it? Are there things that within the regular realm of stuff that you can't do? Like, can you still, you can ask it regular questions? Well, it doesn't, and, the, the problem, maybe yes. I would continue to say that for the price and the value, the Echo Spot is still extremely good. But to answer your question with the question, well, what are you going to do after you have that one thing? Are you going to try and grow? Is that going to be the only um, smart speaker in your home for eternity? If you ever want a second smart speaker, what are you going to pick? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to be difficult, but like, so now you've got, so they're on the hook for 200 bucks with the speaker. That sounds pretty good. I really like this. And now I'm ready to expand my universe. I want good sound throughout my house. If, if you didn't know what I just ranted about for the next 15 minutes, you'd probably say buy another, buy another uh, Sonos. Mm-hmm. Right. In which case you still can't do multi-room sound with the echo. You, and I'm pretty sure now this is very deep in the stack. I'm pretty sure you also can't use the Sonos to control other speakers in the way that you can say like with when you're using Spotify or whatever. I don't know. I need to spend more time with it, but, but there's so much buyer beware around all of this stuff where you really need a Sherpa to first like walk you through what the problem is and what you, I'm a hobbyist. I'm just, I'm throwing money at this for fun and I enjoy it. But like, if you want to get into this stuff, you really need a guide. Like, do you want to get the hue bulbs? Do you want to get built in fixtures? Do you want to do all that stuff? Cause what I'm trying to say in some ways is that mistakes are so costly and this is so weirdly fault intolerant in so many ways, all of this stuff. And I can completely understand why people just throw up their hands and say, forget about it. Yeah. But it does sound good. It sounds real good. Well, I'm glad you love you love it so much. I love it so much. I might marry it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you marry your son of speaker? Yeah. Son of so any. Why not? <clears throat> I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. We got still got homework tonight. Oh no no no. Yeah. Yeah. She did her blog post for the week. That's done. She'll definitely have some arithmetic tonight. Maybe pre-algebra. Oh, maybe that'll be a fun thing. Maybe we'll start assigning that as homework. Stuff they've never seen. That'd be fun. Have a good evening. Give me a break. Dan, people. What are we going to do about people? What do you do? Let's talk about something important. <sighs> okay, does that do it for you? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, we're good. Okay, good. Let's button this up. All right. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.